1: Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall guy. what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read at PG
3: 13. Former Oklahoma football coach Cale Gundy's story is a cautionary tale to other coaches. Don't preach values. Don't pretend to be a father figure. Teach X's and O's. Look the other way when you see black players exhibiting self-destructive behavior. Let the liberal professors on campus and social media influencers groom the values and worldview of black athletes. I feel sorry for Kel Gundy. He resigned this week. He treated that player exactly as I would have. Welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock, your host. Uh, Awesome to be here. Happy Wednesday. Happy Hump Day. We have an awesome, fantastic, beautiful show planned for you today. Uh, We're going to be joined by uh, Virgil Walker uh, from G3 Ministries, uh, TJ Moe, the Show Me Kid, uh, Pastor Anthony Walker, and Pastor uh, Bobby Harrington for some Tennessee Harmony. Uh, Virgil's going to be first up. Virgil's going to show some... uh, expand his bandwidth. He's from Oklahoma, and so he's gonna help me talk about uh, Kale Gundy, the Oklahoma assistant coach that resigned. Uh, And so, you know, we're gonna talk about football with Virgil Walker and, of course, TJ Moe. But uh, first, what we're gonna do is, what we'd love to do here, get a fire started about Kale Gundy. Uh, Kale Gundy quit because woke culture forbids sharing his values. It's the same reason Jay Wright retired as Villanova's basketball coach at age 60. Uh, the same goes for Duke's Mike Krzyzewski at age 75. Woke culture prohibits college coaches from preaching traditional value. Male college coaches now strictly teach X's and O's. College professors teach values. For a college professor, there is no higher value than the protection of feelings and the promotion of safe spaces. College coaches, on the other hand, value arming and fortifying young men for the harsh realities of life. Kale Gundy is yet another dinosaur who recognized the time we live in and voluntarily accepted the consequence of an American culture committed to the emasculation of men. Gundy, a former Oklahoma University quarterback and longtime assistant football coach, allegedly resigned his coaching position because he read aloud a racial slur while reprimanding reprimanding one of his players. According to reports, during a film session, Gundy became agitated when he saw a player distracted by his iPad. Gundy picked up the player's iPad and read the words on screen, which included a racial slur. I know you're never supposed to do this, but I'm going to do it. Let's assume Gundy read the N-word. Let's just make that assumption. It is the favorite and most prized word in so-called black culture. Gundy coaches wide receivers, a position dominated by black men. Again, so let's assume he read the N-word. In his resignation statement, Gundy took responsibility for his actions, uh, writing, quote, the unfortunate reality is Theres someone in my position can cause harm without ever meaning to do so. In that circumstance, a man of character accepts accountability. I take responsibility for this mistake. I apologize. I wanna be very clear. The words I read aloud from that screen were not my words. What I said was not malicious. It wasn't even intentional. Still. I am mature enough to know that the word I said was shameful and hurtful, no matter my intentions." End quote. Uh, So let's make another assumption. I know I'm running the risk here, making an ASS out of myself, but I'm gonna do it. Uh, Gundy was doing the only thing he's legally allowed to do at Oklahoma, teaching X's and O's. He got pissed that one of his players wasn't paying attention. He got agitated. He grew angry when he looked at the iPad and saw what the player was consuming, and he was consuming content that includes a word that Gundy justifiably views as denigrating and off limits. Gundy's values have probably taught him to believe it's important that no man think of himself or refer to himself as the N-word. Gundy justifiably was uncomfortable with the behavior of the young black men who casually used the word. In his outrage, Gundy forgot that it's illegal for college coaches, particularly white ones, to preach their values to black men. Only white liberals are allowed to preach values to black people, especially on a college campus. Rather than explode in a fit of anger, Gundy chose to use the player's words and actions against him. He violated the player's safe space by publicly shaming him in front of his teammates. Gundy mimicked the behavior of a parent. He verbally spanked the player. Gundy forgot that the social media driven social justice movement ended the days of college coaches serving as surrogate parents to football and basketball players. College coaches are now personal trainers, employed to prepare young men for the NFL and NBA drafts, and that is all. College sports now have a sole purpose, the pursuit of money. A cynic will say that's the way it's always been. That's not true. Money has always been the driving force, but there was room for shepherding and discipling young men. Woke culture, ended that. Brent Venables, Oklahoma's head coach, obeys the gods of the new culture. Uh, In his statement, he said, Coach Gundy resigned from the program because he knows what he did was wrong. He chose to read aloud to his players, not once, but multiple times, a racially charged word that Jay-Z and every other rapper drops every 30 seconds. Oh, he didn't say that. I'm sorry, I I added that. Oh, he said, racially charged word that is objectionable to everyone except for fans of rap music. I'm he didn't say that. "And, And does not reflect the attitude and values of our university or our football program. This is not acceptable, period. Coach Gundy did the right thing resigning. He knows our goals for excellence and that coaches have special responsibilities to set an example that the players will ignore and call each each other the N-word every chance that, he didn't say that, I'm I'm editorializing, I'm sorry. Anyway, you know what Venable said, but we also know what the culture preaches that black people are the N-word and that we should call ourselves the N-word and that we should lace all of our music with the N-word and that we should call ourselves the N-word out in front of white people and everybody constantly. And we should act like the N-word is a word of affection. And then when a white person mimics our behavior, we should pretend, oh, that we fell to pieces and were just damaged for life and that white person's life must be ruined. Because once we ruin their life, our life will be so much better. We all know this. This is the game. We call ourselves the N-word. When a gang member smokes a that's a, that's, that's a sign of affection. That's a sign of love. When he busts a cap in a that's love. But when a coach reads an iPad and says that word, black people fall to the ground. Oh my God! Oh Oh Lord Jesus! I've been hit with the N word by a white man! Oh, take me home right now! Lord Jesus! We know that's what happens when we hear a white voice, when someone with white skin and a pink tongue, when they let that word fall out, black people, black angels lose their wings. It is over for us. We cannot exist. When I heard about Gandhi reading these words, It was difficult for me to get out of bed. I mean, how could I? A white man read the N-word from a black man's iPad in an effort to shame that man and to quit using his word and pay attention to me. I'm here to teach you football. You're ignoring me. I'm only allowed to teach you football. I mean, I, I mean, when I heard, I almost called called off from work on Monday, because I just needed time to reflect after learning that Gundy had repeated this word. The social media gods, they've spoken. Had the story leaked that Gundy scolded a player and uttered a word that black people use constantly, social media agitators and bots would have framed the OU football program as racist. I mean, a white man. Repeating that word from that guy's iPad, of course Oklahoma's football program, it's racist. So uh, what Brett Venables did and what the culture demands is that Gundy's job and reputation were offered up as a sacrifice to the woke gods. His story is a cautionary tale to other cultures. Don't preach values. Don't pretend to be a father figure. Teach X's and O's. Look the other way when you see black players exhibiting self-destructive behavior. Let the liberal professors on campus and social media influencers groom the values and worldview of black athletes. I feel sorry for Kel Gundy. He treated the player just as I would have. I have less sympathy for Jay Wright and Mike Krzyzewski. They were at the very top of their profession. They have the platform and the wealth to speak against. The emasculated culture being promoted on college campuses. I'm sure there are a wide variety of reasons that motivated Wright and Coach K to step aside that have nothing to do with the emasculated culture. I'm aware of that. Coach K has health concerns, including a bad back. The transfer portal and the new rules regarding name, image, and likeness have caused major chaos within within college sports. The whole thing is going to hell in a handbasket. I get it. But the basic d- dynamics of coaching have changed dramatically. Coaches are reluctant to publicly object because they're addicted to the multi million dollar paychecks. They grumble in private. I believe Wright and Coach K walked away because the job is no longer rewarding. Who wants to be a personal trainer when their vision was to be a life coach? That's my fire. I hope you survived. I, well, I'm black. So when I say the N word, you hear it as a word of love. So I'm sure everybody survived that. If, if someone white had said it or if someone repeats what happened during this fire starter, black angels all over the planet, all over the universe, all up in heaven will lose their wings and fall to the ground. That's the game we play. I'm sick of it. All right, uh, Virgil grew up. uh, Virgil, welcome back to the show. Uh, Virgil grew up uh, an Oklahoma Sooner fan, uh, major connections to the state of Oklahoma. Uh, I saw some of your tweets earlier in the week, Virgil, about this, and that's why I wanted to include you in this conversation. But uh, I've noticed you lost your wings as well when Kale Gundy repeated those words. Uh, But as an Oklahoma fan and someone that's followed uh, Oklahoma football for a long time, and probably, I mean, Kel Gundy was a a quarterback there in, like, the 80s or something like that. Anyway, your, your thoughts on what happened to Kel Gundy?
0: No, I, I appreciate getting the opportunity to, to switch, switch it up a little bit and, uh, and talk some football. Uh, n- no one would call me to talk football, but uh, I'm, glad that, I'm glad that I get an opportunity to do that with regard to uh, my Sooners. I, I live here in the, in the state of, of Georgia, uh, and, and you know, right outside of Atlanta, and, uh, of course, I, I root for the home team. However, just, just to, to make sure folks know that, that I have legitimate Oklahoma bona fides on my wall uh, over there is is uh, Oklahoma Sooner uh, rings and, and and I mean all kinds of awards and rewards. So when people walk in, even though they're from Georgia, when they walk in, they see they see a little bit of my Sooner. So I just I just want to make that clear uh, up front. But when I when I think about Jason, what what transpired, uh, my, my truth be told, I think my initial response was heartbreak. Um, just because, I, as a, as someone who's followed uh, OU football for for, for decades, um, I I was you know I'm very familiar with Kale Gunny. I'm very familiar with the role that he's played, uh, you know, through three coaches. Uh, you know, he, he was he was there as a as a coach, uh, you know, during the time of Bob Stoops, and, and has, has walked through the whole whole process toward the end of the year when you know when when things were uh, you know turned upside down. Uh, he, he, stuck, he, he, was the, he was the anchor that stood there, that helped glue things back together, stepped back in to, to kind of fix the ship. And, and Brent Venables uh, coming over, all of that. I mean, we, we, Oklahoma fans were ecstatic. Uh, we saw nothing but great things uh, in our future, still do. Uh, but when this took place, I, I, I kind of paused and thought, what in the world? And I, I read Gundy's statement. Uh, I think the thing that shocked me was here we have what what appears to be based upon most of most accounts, um, you know, him reading this iPad with this, you know, with this word on it. We don't know. I I, I assume it's the N word. I mean, that's the only thing you can do is assume Uh, you assume it's the N word. uh, and, And what we have is a 30 year career is sacrificed on the altar of wokeness. I mean, that's it. Poof and it's gone. Um, I, I reached out to some contacts and connections that, that I have there uh, in, in the program. Uh, what I'm hearing from them is that the players uh, did not want this to take place. Uh, most of the players, at, you know, after I guess a, a, an apology on the on the part of the coach and others, uh, felt like that would be sufficient for them to, you know, to, to you know make, maybe a suspension, uh, you know, f- uh, during the you know while they were preparing, and then after a game or two, he'd come back. Uh, but what happened was, that, again, I think you, you nailed it on the head, the, the, the sacrifice on the altar of wokeness when the administration began to look at what the PR campaign would need to be uh, for them to overcome what took place. Um, they, 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 you know, from, from on high, it comes down that, you know what, it, it, there's probably a better move. And so the chess move that we saw was this voluntary resignation, however voluntary it was supposed to be. Um, so that, that's what you have kind of going on behind the scenes. I, I think to the, to, even to the conversation we've had not only yesterday but, but been having, what we're witnessing is, is you know, diversity, uh, and inclusion, and equity coming into every facet of our world. I, I talk about these issues with regard to you know, critical race theory all over the place, but now here I am having a conversation with you with, with really America's pastime. It's really football, and no, no doubt about it. But we've got that ideology invading this space to the point where, where, where a man who served well uh, in his capacity as a coach for 30 years is now th- the next sacrifice on that altar. It's unbelievable uh, to witness. There's, there's, there's more to say, but, but I just, I'm i just blown away by what those are my initial Thoughts about what took place.
3: I want you to give me a final thought on, on this, and I'm gonna move on to T.J. Mo. My problem with woke culture, and why, and DIE, and why consider it anti-Christian. There is no forgiveness. Right. Christianity is based on grace and mercy, forgiveness. There is no forget. We've replaced forgiveness with sacrifice. And someone must be killed at the stake in order to make up for, and again, I'm not even sure the guy did anything wrong, but he's gonna be sacrificed just in case and killed. And, And that's what I can't stand about this woke culture. They've removed forgiveness from the equation.
0: Yeah, forget, forgiveness is not is not a part of it. There's no atoning for any sin. Uh, the only thing that that you can do in in that ideological framework uh, is pay you know penance. Uh, you can you can you, you're a part of works based righteousness, uh, and you're going to do the work of anti racism for the rest of your life, uh, and it never pays. No, no one is ever satiated. Wokeness is never satiating. That it's never satiated. Uh, it, it's one of those things where time after time after time again you you'll continue to we'll continue to watch this process happen we'll, we'll, we'll be back talking about this again with another coach when the word is used so often so much in the music that's played at the practices uh, in the in the locker rooms that are taking place uh, and but but no one was hurt by it until to the point you made at the beginning it, it that word came out of the lips of a white coach and now you know it's it, it's it's curtains for everybody
3: Thank you, Virgil. Uh, Great job as always. Uh, I wanna tell you guys about CrowdHealth. Uh, What if you could have your healthcare put back in your hands instead of being sold to the highest bidder? Politicians, big pharma, and health insurance companies make enormous profits at the expense of your health. That's why crowd health works. It's not health insurance. You can see any doctor you want, pay the first $500, and submit any bills from there. The crowd health community takes care of the rest. No doctor, networks, no huge premiums or deductibles, best of all. No surprises. This is a game changer in the community healthcare industry. You just pay one low monthly total. It's less than $200 a month for most people. Stop paying health insurance companies your hard-earned dollars. Go to joincrowdhealth.com now and experience freedom from health insurance. Right now, you can get your first six months for just $99 per month. That's almost 50% off the normal price and a lot less than a high-deductible health care plan. Just go to joincrowdhealth.com, use the promo code FEARLESS at sign up. That's joincrowdhealth.com, promo code FEARLESS. CrowdHealth is not health insurance. It's a totally different way of paying for health care. Terms and conditions apply. All right, you can email me some feedback at uh, fearless at theblaze.com. That's right, you can email me feedback. I want to hear from you directly. Fearless at theblaze.com. Uh, TJ Mo is going to come in here and join us, and uh, we're going to get a little deeper into Kale Gundy. To with it's
4: my obligation, no hate, discrimination, raising up your hands for
1: freedom.
3: All right, welcome back. Uh, Let's bring in the Show Me Kid, T.J. Moe. T.J. uh, will have a good take on this, I think. I haven't talked to him about it, but having played in the SEC for Mizzou and having played in the Big 12 uh, for Mizzou, knows a little bit about Oklahoma football. Uh, Oklahoma is joining, aren't they joining the SEC as well? uh, Now, Oklahoma and Mm -hmm. Texas? Anyway, so. Reunited, and it feels so good, Mizzou and Oklahoma. (laughs) Uh, TJ, what do you think of my contention that this woke culture that has taken over uh, has made it hard or nearly impossible for coaches to share and or preach their values and that it's been left now to college professors to teach values and coaches just teach X's and O's?
1: Before you go there, uh, Virgil wanted to point out what a big Oklahoma fan he is. I'm going to point out that right above my desk here is a uh, poster that has our victory over number one, Oklahoma, 36-27 in 2010. uh, And I stare at it every day. So we are on opposite sides of this, Virgil. Uh, Your contention is exactly correct. And, you know, it's. You probably, I'm sure you're in the same boat as I am. I can go back and remember specific lessons and moments from my high school and college coaches. And they weren't football related. You know, they were, they got me in the weight room. And so it helped with football, but it taught me discipline. And that's what keeps me working out today. It was my, my father, who was one of my coaches and my high school coach, Paul Day who got me working out at 530 every day and taught me how to be a person who cared about fitness and a functioning human being. That was a life lesson. Right. It's a, and I can go through. Coach Pinkle did the same thing. Hell, I was in uh, New England for five minutes and Bill Belichick was teaching lessons. I mean, th- there was a time where uh, we had a full meeting. Uh, full meeting with the rookies where he went through and quizzed us on the holidays and what each one of them meant because he wanted us to be informed citizens, right? These guys, it's not always about football. They're not, they're not in it just to teach you about the X's and O's. And the thing that disappoints me is that you were, you were reading the statement from Brent Venables who, uh, who I played against. He was the defensive coordinator there before he went to, to Clemson and then came back. He, what has happened here? is the woke culture has made anyone with something to lose into a fraud. This part of the statement is driving me insane. He said, quote, as painful as it is, uh, as painful as it has been dealing with Coach Gundy Gundy resigning from the program, it doesn't touch the experience of pain felt by a room full of young men I'm charged to protect, lead, and love. Those words actually came out of his mouth. I, I can't believe he's such a fraud. I don't know how the guys can look at that and say, Coach, how, how do you think I'm so weak? Why do you think I'm so fragile? Because remember, it is the players who have come out and said, he didn't do anything to us. He should still be coaching us. We like this guy. Meanwhile, and I want to point this out because I mean nobody's handled anything well, but this is the same school that when Joe Mixon punched a white woman, It was another race thing. Black man versus a white woman here. 2014, punched her in the face and broke four bones. Oklahoma let him keep his scholarship in 2014 and continue to take classes. And then they let him back on the team, played for two years, left early for the draft. This guy actually, it's... Brett Venables is telling us that words hurt more than actions. I'm telling you, ask that young woman about the four bones in her face. And so it's like... That was a race thing. We didn't need to make it a race thing because it wasn't about race. It was about a bad person or a person making a bad decision that should have consequences. And yet, because this dude's white and he read something that actually came from the handwriting of a black man, then suddenly he is so toxic to have around that Coach Venables, I assume, based on his, uh, his statement here, encouraged him to leave the program because he felt his players were just in too much pain. They're too fragile, and, and I'm tasked with protecting these young black men that are they're just glass. As soon as you drop them, you drop them. They're done. I don't want to defend Venables, but I, I just want to enter into
3: the record. The facts here, though, TJ, is like Brent Venables doesn't believe what he wrote there either. Mm. He, he's saying what he thinks he has to say to survive and to recruit. He's, you know, first-year head coach, replacing a guy that was very successful, producing all these Heisman Trophy quarterbacks, exciting offense. And so he's in a tough spot. He needs to recruit. And he knows that the players are controlled by social media. And he knows that if they don't take this kind of action, if he doesn't say these kind of things, he leaves himself vulnerable to social media and 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 that can take on a life of its own. And so the same players that are right now going, hey, he shouldn't be fired. If social media starts coming out with memes and starts going after him, those same players could then pivot and say, you know what? He should be fired. And then the other thing I can hear people saying right now is like, hey, Joe Mixon was an 18-year-old, 19-year-old kid. This is a 50-year-old man. He should have known better. Well, and again, what I say to those people is, After about age 12, if a boy doesn't know, hey, you can't punch a girl. And Mm -hmm. particularly, not in a restaurant over nothing. Over nothing. Now, and again, I get Joe Mixon and some of these guys, and I don't know Joe Mixon's background, but I know some guys that come from some backgrounds where women are capable of beating you up and or shooting you. And in that environment, there's, seems to be a different set of rules. But on a college campus, in a, in a little fast food restaurant over nothing, <laughs> by the time you're 10, 11 years old, you know, hey, you don't have to be 50 to know I can't punch, haul off and punch some girl and break bones in her face. And so I just wanna enter that into the record that Venables is reacting to the culture he's been placed in. He wants that money. He wants that fame. He wants the success.
1: He wants to survive. Well, that's why I said, because I agree, he doesn't believe it. That's why I said this culture has made frauds of anybody with anything to lose. And he has something to lose. He waited. This is a guy who's been one of the top defensive coordinators in college football for 20 years and finally got a chance to be a head coach. And he doesn't want to blow it. He doesn't believe it either. But there are people who do believe it. I don't think he's one of them. I don't think Gundy's one of them. But One of the other things that I was thinking about was, you know, embracing race as the center of your identity has caused people to go insane over this one word that virtually nobody uses. It's like no wonder if race is all that matters and totally defines you. It's no wonder that the existence of a word that would denigrate your race would cause you to go insane. That's why this is such a terrible misstep. It's like if you're defined, as we talked about yesterday, by being in the image of God, you don't care if somebody, it's like what E.W. Jackson said, Hey man, this is just the house I'm living in. I happen to be white and got nothing to do with me. A- ask me about my heart and my soul and I'll tell you about it. You can't define who I am based on what you see as I, I'm walking across the street. And so it, it's no wonder that people react this way because they are defending who they think they are. And even the existence of this word, somebody set it out in the ether. Well, I mean, what comes next? It's, up, it's written up on a board, somebody, and a white guy walked by and look at it. Well, he probably read it. We need to fire him. He probably thought it at some point. Next time he argues with a black man, he probably thought the N-word. We need to fire him. It's like, where does it stop? It is just, you cannot define yourself by race, or this is the type of thing that's going to follow.
3: It's, it's again, it's why I'm against diversity, inclusion, and equity. It makes all these different disparate identities, your main identity. And then it's why I'm so critical of social media, because social media uh, uh, baits people into buying in to these false identities, constructing their entire lives around promoting uh, these identities. It, it, it's it's a terrible Molotov cocktail that is mm-hmm. killing American society. And, and uh, you know, I, I feel bad for the, for Venables. I feel bad for Kale Gundy. I, I feel bad for the kids at Oklahoma, because uh, mm-hmm. it sounds like Kale Gundy was a good coach. Joe Mixon actually is one of the people that stood up and spoke for him and said the guy did a, gr- a, a great job. But again, these coaches are not allowed to preach values anymore and they're not allowed to uh, Discipline kids the way they used to be able to because my my whole problem with this Gundy deal is If I was the coach and someone was there on an iPad and I was caught him doing what Gundy caught this guy doing I was very capable of doing the exact same thing as Gundy but Mm -hmm. because I'm black I would be allowed to do it and because he's white he's not allowed to do it that's a ridiculous
1: standard so to add to what you said at the beginning and now what you've just said. Isn't it funny that the rise of the LeBron James more than an athlete thing, hey, don't look at me, just an athlete, listen to what I got to say on social media, I'm more than an athlete, we're telling coaches, the people who have actually been through the ringer, who have the wisdom that they need to just stick to X's and O's, the people who could actually help us through these moments, the coaches who have dealt with 20-year-olds for the last 20 years and know what they're capable of doing and know how to help sculpt them into men. Those guys can't share their wisdom, but we should be listening to the athletes, the 20-year-olds who don't know anything, who might know something when they're 40 if we allow today's men to teach them. Those coaches don't get to say anything, but the players, they're more than athletes.
3: Uh, thank you, T.J. Great job. Don't go anywhere. I'm gonna uh, include you in my Tennessee Harmony discussion uh, with Bobby and Anthony. Uh, get your Fearless Army swag at shopblazemedia.com/fearless. Tennessee Harmony with Bobby and Anthony and T.J. Next. Welcome back, time for a little Tennessee Harmony. It's Wednesday, that means uh, Pastor uh, Bobby Harrington and Anthony Walker, uh, both affiliated with Renew.org are here uh, in studio and so uh, we'll talk about an issue specific uh, to religious culture and our understanding of what's going on in faith. Uh, If you guys can do as we always do, if you can kick us off, start us off with a prayer and then we'll hop into the conversation. God, we come to you as we do every week, and
2: we're just grateful that we can pray and call out to the name of Jesus. And through Jesus, we ask you to guide our conversation and help us today.
4: Father God, as always, we're thankful for the opportunity to share your word uh, through this platform. Thankful for uh, the freedom we have to do that. And we pray for those that are listening, uh, that they hear what you have to say for their lives. We thank you in Jesus' name.
3: Amen. Amen. The uh, T.J. Mo uh, also joining us and it's T.J. and I do a lot of conversating back and forth during the week and uh, I'll see some sermon online that I enjoy and I'll send it to T.J. T.J. will see some sermon online or send me a sermon from his church and we go back and forth. And it, it came up in kind of our discussion last week where I had an epiphany uh, that like. The whole church thing, ministry thing has changed because of the advent of the internet. And then I think it becomes even more acute because of COVID and the lockdowns and people got out of the habit of going to churches. More people are uh, getting their church biblical direction online than at any time in history. And it made me start thinking about the, the different demands on people with a national ministry, not affiliated with a church, as opposed to people that are connected to a local church. And I think they're two different disciplines. And so, but, but I, I, I think the, the demands on them are different. I think the local church pastor his job is more difficult, uh, but he also perhaps is more liberated to just show up and say whatever he thinks because he doesn't have a congregation to answer to. And so, I, I wanted you all's take on on that as local ministers run churches. Uh, what does the Bible say about? Because I, I don't think Paul had a church. Am I accurate in that? And and but i think bobby your contention is at least over text when we've discussed this is like plan a is the local church
2: yeah so i would argue that uh, paul always was connected with a local church sometimes he was going to new regions where he established them so as a leader uh, of the expanding movement of disciples he would start churches but he was always connected with a church and plan A was always to get people in a church. So I just want to start with that, because I do believe, like, if you just look at Scripture, you look at the New Testament, and you say, what does God want for everybody who claims the name of Jesus? Well, it's really clear. According to the teaching of Scripture, he wants everybody connected in a local church. And that local church will be the center of their life as followers of Jesus.
4: Right, right. The issue, too, with the national kind of platform you're talking about versus local, biblically, the emphasis is on local church. Members connected to one another, members connected within community, families connected. The impact is local, and that grows outwardly. Uh, But with not just the advent of the internet, even with television ministry, there were instances of national impact. And I've seen instances where this will happen too, where guys will speak nationally, have a great message or whatnot, but then the work that they're associated with, like he's saying with Paul, back home is in shambles. You know, members don't get along, leadership is torn apart, but you know, which preacher can't put together an awesome message, but his leadership isn't well back home? So the, it should be you know, local, that grows to an outgrowth versus starting with this national platform and then trying to make that minimize.
3: Anthony, I think it was in a text you sent today. You said something about people on a search for truth; they're just going to hunt it up and they'll find it, mm-hmm. and you know eventually they'll find what they're looking for, mm-hmm. or what. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where I feel like I find myself, okay. uh, and, and I don't want to go too much into because it would take some time to unpack. But it's like the relationship I have with the church that I grew up with in Indianapolis, it, 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 pivot, you know, one, I'm not there, but it pivoted. And I just came on a hunt and i and, and the hunt really anticipated during COVID. And, and I have to say, I've fallen into this hunt online. I'm mm-hmm. I'm watching sermons six days a week, uh, you know, that's what I do when I exercise and things like that. And I enjoy it and I'm edified by it. Uh, and I'm not connected to a local church. Uh, and, and so what do you say to me? What am I missing? What am I doing wrong? So, just, I just oh, want good, you go to know,
2: he asked you. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so, so you're getting a
4: lot of information And that's good. Uh, But the biblical model of what the church looks like and how it functions for every member. uh, One example given in uh, the book of Hebrews, Uh, the church at the time was under a lot of persecution, but the encouragement is you still need to be gathering together. You still need to be connected. The edification is not just from what we get from the message, it is even through one another because I'm connected to you. You're connected to me. We're in this journey together. So to just sit back, to gain information, um, that's good. Uh, but the preferred method, according to God's word, is that we are actively involved. Some point in the way I am being discipled and I'm actively discipled. At some point I am gathering uh, to come together to worship. And that even has uh, a community aspect to it. All of that uh, is involved in your walk. So to sit back and get information is good, but you need to Bobby, go a step it,
3: further. Did you leave anything
2: out or you want to add something there? Yeah, um, I, by the way, I just really appreciate your transparency as always, certainly, certainly. so thank you for that. Uh, when you think of church in the Bible, Uh, I think it's helpful to have a definition, so I'm gonna give you just a short definition that synthesizes everything in the Bible. Church is a community of disciples who gather, they gather regularly under Scripture and godly leadership to be disciples and make disciples. Now that pulls together everything in the Bible, and I wanna say something that's a little bit provocative, but I'm saying it to make a point. If a person is not involved in a local church, there are literally hundreds of passages in Scripture that you are disobeying.
3: I, I yeah, I, I, I don't know if that's as provocative as you think. It's certainly not offensive. <laughs> uh, you know, I could probably rattle off a lot of things that I've been doing. <laughs> and you as well, uh, well TJ. Uh, <laughs> I want to, because you and I have this a conversation constantly, uh, you know, hop in here and maybe I'm leaving something out. I
1: don't think you're leaving anything out. The, uh, The point about the maybe traveling ministers, however you want to delineate it, versus somebody who has a church that they preach at every weekend, I have found, this is anecdotal, but I have found that aside from the pastor that I have finally landed on with Ron Tucker, which he's, he's been on the show. You guys are aware of him. I found that he tells the truth. I've been to 15 churches in St. Louis. Most of them seem afraid of their own congregation. And so they don't tell the truth. They're afraid of blowback because they have to face those people every week. So I'm not telling you that, uh, I would be doing anything different i'm telling you i don't like that it seems they're unwilling to tell the truth because of potential blowback and so i have found that going online and seeing a lot of the people traveling ministers who don't necessarily have a church they're more willing to tell the truth on a regular basis that's been my personal experience and again this is why i church hopped for 15 20 churches whatever it was till i landed on ron tucker because he seems to not care he seems to want to tell the truth but as he said when he was on this very show, he's lost a good portion of his church because of that. And so I assume that's what many of the pastors with the local churches are dealing with, and they're afraid of that backlash. Because if you come out, and for me, it feels like the truth, he backs what he says up with scripture, but he is certainly aware that there's a lot of people right in the middle of the service getting up and walking out. And so uh, I'm looking for the truth And that's why I spend so much time on YouTube looking at pastors who don't seem to be held to the opinion of their congregation. Those guys are more than willing to tell you whatever they got because they're going to move on to the next church. If they piss off people in the next church, who cares? They're going to move on to the next church and they're just going to keep telling the truth. So I think it does free you up to tell the truth and that's why I appreciate doing it I'm still involved in my local church here uh, because I found it but to be honest with you I was free-floating for several years because I'm not willing to go into a building to listen to a guy Who's who's spending all of his time trying not to offend people that to me is not the church Yeah Can I uh, Say some things about that
2: a church is not the pastor you're not involved in a church because of the pastor Like, if you're getting involved in a church because of the pastor, then you're not, again, following the guidance in Scripture. A church is a community of people where you trust and follow Jesus as disciples together. And the leadership of a church is ultimately a group of elders, not a lone man. Now, a lone man may work with elders, but I just want to call out, if, if we think that churches are just the, the head honcho who's speaking, then hey, pick your church on online. Just watch churches online. But you'll be missing what Scripture says. And uh, what Scripture says is that God's ultimate desire is that we help each other in community to become more and more like Jesus. And I, I'm a truth guy. Okay? And I think truth is Scripture teaches the church is the foundation of the truth. So, I totally agree. But truth should lead you not just to truth, but to becoming a lover of God and a lover of people. The Bible teaches that the ultimate attribute of a true Christ-like person who really has found truth is the way they love. That love for other people is the ultimate sign. So, if all we're doing is getting information but we're not actually practicing a life of love in community with others, where we're forgiving each other, where we're building each other up, we're serving each other. Then we have missed what Scripture says is the ultimate sign of a Christ-like person. I,
3: sure. I, I'm going to I'm going to not personalize this and just talk <clears throat> about people in general, uh, and it's not because I'm, uh, but. I can hear people hearing this and say, well, hold on. Uh, I am in discipling relationships with others. I am per- through Zoom or over, I- I'm about to personalize it, but you know, take take like David Curtis, who's a friend of mine, local businessman here in Washington, uh, been to his home and his family members' homes for church services and things like that, where they are actually having church all during the week and bringing people in. And, and so I can hear some people like, well, you know, five, six days a week, I'm doing things with people, other Christians. Uh, you know, it's just like tonight, you know, not again, I'm personalized, I said I wasn't, but it's like me and some of my teammates from Ball State, we have our own little Christian study, fellowship help each other pray for each other talk about scripture blah 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 and so people what tj and what a lot of people think perhaps wrongly because i i agree with a lot of what y'all saying like the reason to be at church is the fellowship with others to help others and 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 to love others and blah 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 but on sundays here's where and again i said i wasn't gonna personalize it but i'm gonna personalize it where I struggle on Sundays, and this has probably always been the case, even at the church I grew up in, I get bored. Yeah. Okay. If the minister does not engage me, totally. if he doesn't challenge me, if he doesn't give me a new way to think of things. And as TJ's saying, if I'm sitting there going, this dude sounds scared because he won't even say what's really going on and what's really obvious, I get bored and I'm like, you know what, I, I got something better I can do yeah, on my yeah. Sunday. I, I can, and, and trust me, the rest of the week I'll be in discipling relationships and doing all this and doing all the other stuff. But on Sundays if I'm sitting in a pew and black churches go on for an hour, hour and a half, and I, I hate to even talk about black churches, I, I, I need to just say that. But it's like I'm giving up an hour and a half yep. of my time listening to somebody that's boring me. Hey, can, can I just jump in here? Yeah. Jason, is your goal to
2: obey all the teachings of Jesus? Yeah, I would say that. Yeah. Okay, like like when Jesus was leaving, he told us to make disciples, disciples who obey everything he taught. So if there are all these passages in the Bible that uh, where God teaches us, I've already come to this, Bobby, that I need to be involved with uh, a local church. Okay. That's why we're having this discussion. Uh, okay. Well, then you don't. What you're saying then, this description of
3: I'm going to do my own thing. Uh, I didn't me. say I was going to do my own thing. Okay. I said I'm trying to understand. W- that's what fair. I should do—that's that, fair. Okay, and I'm, I'm being so, let, transparent. And again, the way, The hold on. The reason why I said I didn't want to make it personal because it's fine. I'm very transparent, but I don't want to be put on trial gotcha. because th- that will provoke me to put you on yeah. trial. Yeah. And we shouldn't do that. But, thank, so go thank, ahead. Yeah. Thank you for for that.
2: Um. Here's. Let's just talk about God's best. God's best is that we would be in relationships. in a local community, and sometimes we're bored. Even worse than that, sometimes people are going to disrespect us and mistreat us. Sometimes they're going to let us down. And one of the things that's going to happen because we're sinful people who will be with other sinful people is it's going to be rough sometimes in a relationship. That's why Jesus taught us that love is the greatest attribute We learn to love. We learn to work it out. We learn to come to church when we're bored because we're going to see Bill over there. And we know he's been struggling to be sober. We're going to see Ann over there. And she's trying to follow Jesus, but she's in a work situation that is really difficult. And we're going to hug each other before the the church service starts. and, And then we're going to bring our best to God. We're going to try to praise and worship Him, even if we feel like the worship is is lousy and all that because we're worshiping God and we're doing it in community and we're going to get everything we can out of the pastor's message even if, if it's not the best because we're in community we're in community with each other and we're trying to be these people that God calls us to be.
4: One of the things I wanted to mention is when you're involved in a local church it doesn't hinder your ability to still get extra just like being a part of a team you know you can go to practice but then you also practice outside of practice so all the things that you're talking about as far as and and for those who may see the same thing who man I I like to hear this pastor this pastor I'm listening to pastors all the time I do the same thing and I am (laughs) okay but at the same time according to what God wants is that local work still get all of it that you can I tell my, my minister friends you know One of the benefits that came out of it for us, uh, I know a lot of churches that struggle to get their members to come to Sunday evening worship or Wednesday night Bible study. But during the pandemic, when we're all locked in, a lot of people took their Bible studies online. And so now I know, you know, for many of my members, it's like, man, they're watching five or six Bible studies on Wednesday night. In addition to and I was trying to get you to come for one hour and you're at home watching several. And some of that still continues. Uh, I've got several folk that I listen to. The other piece that I want to hit on again, uh, Hebrews chapter 10. It wasn't one of the scriptures that I sent in, but one that relates to this conversation. Hebrews 10, 25 the Hebrew writer is encouraging the church under great persecution. People were getting killed for assembly. You know, the kind of things that we hear about in foreign countries now. They're getting killed for just coming together, worshiping together. And he says, Don't forsake that assembling yourselves together. Coming together to worship God is a sign of victory. It is a sign of freedom. It is a sign of thanksgiving and edification, both vertically and horizontally, all those things that Bobby uh, talked about. And also the one that I did send in, uh, Paul tells us in First Timothy, chapter three, he says, if I'm delayed, he was trying to get back to a local church. He said, if I'm delayed, you will know that people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God the pillar and foundation of the truth. The church is God's uh, vessel through which he gets the truth out to the entire world. So it's God. Hey, I want to be involved in the work that you're doing. Uh, and there will be some things that probably logically might not align with us. Well, why are we doing Why are we doing such and such this and, that and the other? And a part of the logic that we deal with is it's not about my understanding how, when or why, but it's just the fact that God says this is what I need to do. His way is best.
3: T.J., I got a follow up, but I'm going to bring you back in to see if uh, you have something you want to add to
1: anything you've heard. Yeah. So one point of clarification, um, because because Bobby said it's not about the pastor, which I think generally is true, except that the pastor is leading the direction of the church. So if I feel like he's a coward and misleading the church, then what I end up doing with the different uh, members and Bible studies and such is we're discussing what the truth ought to actually be and we're following somebody who's not telling the truth. So, so then how can you attend that? It's like I'm making time trying to sort through what I feel like are the lies or the cowardice of the pastor so that causes me to switch churches. I didn't give up on the church, but I left those churches. So point of clarification there. The second thing is this, And um, this is an honest question for for both the pastors. Um, I have heard a ton of pastors say, hey, the church is not the building. And so it seems to me, and again, I would love to hear a response to this. Jason is still within a church. This is his church, right? We have our prayer meetings You guys are shepherding us. He has his discipleship. And I'm not saying it's perfect. You you said there are hundreds of Bible verses that discuss maybe it is actually the local church. But it's like it seems to me he's created a church of discipleship of people that he's pouring into and getting from and actually incorporated pastors to help with the expertise and guidance there. So uh, give me the, the proper way to look at that.
3: I want to respond to that, TJ, and say there are some elements of what we're doing that are true with that. I actually believe in, and want to join a local church. I, I want it to uh, satiate some of my needs that, that again, so because Sunday may not be the main event of the church that I join. And quite frankly, I may join a church, and you may not see me on Sundays. But I want things happening on Tuesdays, Wednesdays and Thursdays that may help me address my gluttony or may help me adjust my vision on how to approach finances, may be teaching me how to live properly in this world. And so and and again, that's where Sundays does become important. It's because it's like when I hear a sermon, I want to hear a minister like, oh, this dude gets it. And then what I see on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, even on the days he doesn't get it, because anybody that listens to me talk about anybody, talk about myself, talk about my mother, who virtually walks on water. Love Tony Evans. Love Mike Todd. But I'll, I can find fault with me, my mother, Mike Todd, Tony, Evans, <laughs> everybody. Mm-hmm. And so I don't have an expectation of a perfect church. Okay. Because that's an unreasonable expectation. It's filled with people. That means it's filled with imperfection. And and so I don't have that. But I do want to be involved with a church that is satiating enough of my needs the rest of the week. That Sundays become less important because I I am a uh, I have a very discerning ear and I am tend to be hypercritical. I'm a critic. That, that's part of my DNA. And so uh, that's what I mm-hmm. feel like I've been on the hunt for, mm-hmm. haven't found it. Uh, and I, again, I guess I go back to why we're having this discussion is like I'm finding a boldness in a Vody Bachman who's not attached to a church. Uh, Tony Evans is attached to a church in Dallas mm-hmm. and ministers the pastors at church, but I, I'm sampling E.W. Jackson, I think he's an associate pastor somewhere. He's not the lead pastor, I don't think it's somewhere, but I, I'm finding all of these national voices that aren't, and, and, and this is where I'll defend local churches is, 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 and ministers is because they're so in tune with their congregation that one person can sit in that building and say, how come this message doesn't hit home with me? And not realize there's 300 other people in this building. Mm -hmm. And that pastor may have intimate knowledge of someone in their congregation who's in crisis and has to hear this particular message on this Sunday. Mm -hmm. And again, the national minister unconnected those thoughts don't run through his head. He's just trying to reach as many people as he can. And so I'm very respectful that you guys have a much more difficult job and a different set of demands. And and Bobby, when you called the local church plan A, that makes me think there's also must be a plan B, C, and D yeah, in the I, Bible.
2: I, I think that that's fair. Uh, just a couple of points. First. Uh, I think, uh, T.J., thank you for uh, clarifying. What I'm describing is the ideal. And and the ideal in Scripture, like if you're following Scripture, you're going to have a group of elders, and you're going to have a a lead pastor, uh, because that's the most effective thing. But he's not a one-man band. He uh, has to be under the authority and he may be one of them, but he's under the authority of a group of elders who are guiding that church. They're elders, they're shepherds, pastors, overseers. That would be God's, that would be God's plan for the local church. Um, I think that um, when we say plan A, uh, the ideal for us is in Scripture. And so it's, it describes this community that we're a part of that has Sunday gatherings, that has, has uh, groups and meeting from house to house and uh, being disciples and making disciples all throughout the week. Now what happens is a lot of times churches don't function the way they're supposed to and this is why you'll see these things rising up outside the local church. And oftentimes plan B or C Uh, it's good. Like, Jason, you and I have been in a relationship for a year, over a year and a half now, and I I really think you're getting a lot of discipleship. I think that I I love our conversations. You're having conversations with Anthony and and a bunch of others. So it's not like there's not nurture going on, and and also you're giving to other people. But, uh, so we want to acknowledge that. But I just want to come back to and say, I really think that uh, our best is to try to obey all the
3: teachings of Scripture and plan Let a. me tr- try one more time because we're almost out of time. Is there a plan B, C, or D mentioned in the Bible? I'm asking sincerely because I don't know. Bobby called said there's a plan A. Who makes me th- Sure. What are some of the other things like, again, is having a national ministry unconnected to a church, is that a plan B?
4: No, no. The maybe plan A is not the right wording. Obviously, there will be churches that are in transition to become the ideal, which is what he's describing. You may have a church that doesn't have elders yet, men that are biblically qualified to be elders. That church may exist, but that church is not what God ultimately wants the church to be. So that may be I wouldn't say, well, let's just do that. Well, no, because. He's really wanting us always going to this main ideal of having a local work. Back to your original question to kind of wrap it up. The kind of con that takes place with ministers that are not associated with a local work, that have a ministry, is the lack of accountability to anything Or anybody like we're all as Christians accountable to one another, even I as a minister, Bobby as a minister, we're accountable to one another. But if I can go out and just put forth a national message and I go home and there's no accountability, I have no no, nothing that guides this work that I'm putting forth. It's just, hey, I just wanted y'all to hear it. And I moved on. Then I'm just a speaker at that point. I'm just putting out, you know, a podcast, so to speak. But if I'm actually working in ministry and implementing this, and this is where I was at the beginning, that same message can go nationally. Uh, Tony Evans is an example that you've given the same message that he's preaching in his local work is what's broadcast nationally. His writing is the same stuff he's teaching at his local church that's just broadcast nationally. And we appreciate that. And that's where I see that's that's what we are reading of when we read of what Paul does. Paul did not set out, hey, I'm trying to be a national minister. He's just trying to help plant churches here, disciple young men, lead others. And that becomes a a national impact. So in your search, in the same way in your search, uh, what I encourage people, especially young people, I get this with our college kids that come in, I encourage people, plant roots. Just get rooted in a local work. It doesn't hinder my search for truth, it doesn't hinder perhaps even the critical eye. I know everybody in my congregation probably is not, oh, I love every sermon he's ever preached. I'm not preaching it for you to love every word I say. I really want you to be attached to God. But if you're planted, you're rooted in a local church, you're working, you're serving, you're edifying one another, hey, God is is in that process. He's working some things. And if you happen to say, you know what, I think I may go to you know, harpeth, you know, maybe that's a place that I can kind of get plugged in there. God bless, but to sit back to say, and and that's an encouragement to everybody to sit back and I'm looking for this kind of dynamic, I'm looking for this kind of minister, and then I can kind of get plugged in. My encouragement is to get rooted.
3: Gentlemen, we're out of time, Uh, we gotta go. I think I hear uh, harmony playing in the background. Uh, That means we'll see you tomorrow uh, we got a special show tomorrow. Royce White has uh, his first foray into the uh, political, the electoral deal. We're going to talk with uh, Royce White. So uh, We'll see you tomorrow. Tell us Cause together we're so much stronger
4: That's a